Hey, thanks for checking out the So What Factor. My name's Randy Bennett. I'm a United Methodist pastor, and these sermons answer the question, I hope, so what? So what? Is God real? So what am I supposed to do with my life? So what does the Bible actually say? So in every sermon, it's my hope that you'll figure out what the so what is. But if you don't know, or it wasn't clear, feel free to find me on Facebook at Randy Bennett Jr., and shoot me a message. You can also email me at pastorrandybennett at yahoo.com. Be happy to hear your questions and, and, uh, and connect with you. So thanks for listening. Take care and God bless. Now I ask that you pray with and for me. Father, I ask now that you take the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart and make them wholly yours. That together in this space and that together on Facebook Live, that together we might grow in grace. That together we might grow in the knowledge of Jesus. That together we might not only be your body, but share your body. So guide now this sermon, O Lord. These things we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, brothers and sisters, welcome to the end. Welcome to the end. Welcome to the first of my last two sermons for my eighth appointment year. If you're unfamiliar with the United Methodist polity, then it's important for you to know that United Methodist pastors are appointed annually by a bishop for us to oversee a congregation. Our appointments run from July 1st to June 30th. So I'm ending my eighth year as your pastor at Christ Community, and I've been reappointed to be your senior pastor for the 2020-2021 year, beginning on July 1st, 2020. Now, oh, well, thanks, nice. You hear that, Kurt? They like me better than you thought. Yeah. Now, Kurt would appreciate your prayers because he's also been reappointed to stick with me. And um, so, you know, he's stuck with me for another year, so be in prayer for Kurt because I know he struggles with me. Now, as I'm finishing year eight and I'm looking toward year nine, I'm finding myself reflecting a great deal on all that we've accomplished together in the last eight years. God has done amazing things among us, and I believe with God that the best is yet to be. Part of your story as a congregation is your willingness to walk boldly in faith. This may be why we've been placed together. I tend to walk boldly in faith as well. Though as I age, I'm finding a little more wisdom in discerning when it's time to walk boldly and when it's time to wait on the Lord. What is for certain, though, is that when we together are sure of God's plan, we go for it. We start walking boldly toward the destination that God has set for us. I must confess, though, I'm still trying to figure out how COVID-19, social unrest, and a socially distant worship service where people wear masks, can't shake hands, and definitely can't hug each other, I'm still trying to figure out how that's God's will or God's plan. I'm struggling with it. 
I don't like it. It annoys me. And when I get annoyed, I'm grumpy. Which is why I'm thankful for God's word. Because when I'm struggling to understand God's plan in light of present circumstances, I'm reminded that God is not the God of violence or the God of pandemics or the God of circumstances that make us distance ourselves from others. Moreover, God is not the God of death, but of life. When I'm struggling to understand God's plan in the midst of peculiar, unpleasant, and truly scary circumstances, I remember Paul's words to the church at Rome. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. It's so important that we read the entirety of this verse because people often just stop at the word good. Good. And we know that in all things, God works for the good. Well, that's not true. That is not true. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. See, God's plan is to work good in the midst of bad for those who belong to his kingdom. COVID-19 is not God's plan. Social unrest, violence, and murder are not God's plan. Yet in the midst of these circumstances, God's plan is to love his people and grow his kingdom, and he is. And like Paul, I also find myself echoing these words. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can stand against us? Friends, today's sermon and next week's sermon are as much for me as they are for you. And I don't know about you, but I'm struggling. And so I need to be reminded of one of the simplest tenets of our faith. God has a plan. God has a plan. We often talk and hear others talk about how God has a plan, but sometimes we just get so bogged down in our everyday lives that it becomes hard for us to see God's plan. Like, you know, not being able to see the forest because of all the trees When life becomes clouded, it's helpful to be reminded of God's overall plan for creation because it's his overall plan. We see the history and in our personal lives, how it all fits together. Now, I believe there are three parts to God's plan. There's the general plan, the big picture plan, the historical plan and the personal plan. Here's God's general plan, y'all, to redeem creation from sin and restore humanity to a face-to-face relationship with him through Jesus Christ. That's the plan. It's that simple and apparently that complicated. Then there's God's plan, the historical. The Bible and the church. The Bible and the body. We can look to the Bible in order to see how God's plan unfolded in the lives of his people at specific times and places, like in today's scripture lesson with Joshua. We also can look back in church history, can't we? And we can see where Christians got it right and where Christians got it wrong. And we can still see how God worked out his plan anyways. I think history is proof of God's redemptive plan in action. And then there's God's plan for our personal lives because he does have a plan for your life and my life 
your life and my life and the lives of other Christians, our lives are proof that God's plan is real. Otherwise, why would we be together today? You know what is amazing, though? And what I think truly proves that God is all-powerful? God utilizes human brokenness and free will to achieve his plan. Let that sink in. God uses human brokenness and free will to achieve his plan. See, I need to be reminded that God has a plan, that his plan's not going to be undone, and that I can continue walking boldly in God's plan because if God is for us, who can be against us? Today's scripture lesson is one of my favorites because we see God's people walking boldly into God's plan for their lives at that particular moment in human history. You know, Israel should have already inherited the promised land 40 years before this story, but their leaders were too scared. Moses, who worked tirely with God's people, should have been the one to lead the Israelites into the promised land because that was God's plan. And yet it was also God's plan to utilize broken people with free will, and they did what broken people with free will sometimes do. They said no. Do you know you can say no to God? You can. You can say no to God. Do you know it's not going to stop his plan? That's <laughs> because he's God and you're not. I said that for me, really, not for you all. So the Israelites, under the leadership of Moses, wandered in the desert for 40 years. And, and, and the whole time they fussed and complained about it. And, and then everyone in that generation, including Moses, died. But remember now, it was God's plan for the Israelites to inhabit the land of Canaan. So what's 40 years to a God without age? God utilized Israel's 40 years of wandering in order to grow them spiritually and physically. And when the opportunity came for the Israelites to walk boldly into the promised land, Joshua was raised up to lead the people. As the nation stood on the banks of the Jordan River, they cast their eyes upon Canaan and the city of Jericho. The land was before them. God's promise awaited them. Joshua was leading them. A new generation was ready. There was a problem, however. The Jordan River was at flood stage. Now, I don't know about you, but that didn't look like it's so easy to cross. I mean, it's not the Red Sea. Okay. It's still pretty big, right? A river that's normally 50 to 60 yard wide was, was now at least 120 yards wide. Would Joshua, like Moses before him, be able to lead the nation? Would, would God deliver his people through the Jordan River as he had once delivered them through the Red Sea? While Joshua was the new leader, he was, like Moses, only a man. It was God who had the plan. And this time the people were willing to walk boldly into that plan. Y'all listen. It is always important for us to remember that it's God and not our leaders who is our comforter. It is God who is our shelter in the time of storm. It is, 
It is God who is the presence we can always count on to be there for us. God never leaves us nor forsake us. God has a plan for us and God's plan is not going to be undone. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, on the other side is God's promised land. Not only is God waiting on us there, but by grace He's leading us there right now, encouraging to walk boldly in His plan of redemption. God didn't want the nation of Israel to live in the past. He wanted them to live into His future. God wanted His people to trust that His plan was the right plan at the right time. And a flooded Jordan River provided God the opportunity. The opportunity to remind His people that there is nothing God can't do. And nothing that God's people can't do when they're willing to follow Him. Moses didn't save the people. God did. Joshua wouldn't deliver the people. God would. Because there's no river too deep for God. As soon as the priest who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathon while the water flowing down to the sea now, why do you think those towns are specifically included there? So that people could go to those places and verify that this actually took place. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel passed by until the whole nation, that's a lot of folks, y'all, whole nation had completed crossing on dry ground. Now look, this passage uses 74, 74. I can't believe I can count that high because I only have 10 toes and 11 fingers. I'm, that was a Tennessee joke. Okay. Still sinking in. Okay, never mind. 74 words. This passage uses 74 words to describe how God made it possible for Israel to cross the river on dry land. But now in contrast, the passage only uses seven words to describe what the Israelites actually do. 74 on what God did. Seven on what the people did. And you know what? God didn't even leave a mud puddle. He didn't even leave a mud puddle. Ooh, that's not bolted down. That's exciting. God was so thoroughly in charge of the situation that even in the middle of an active riverbed, He made it completely dry. Not even a mud puddle. What's the moral of the story? That God made a way for the Israelites to walk boldly into His plan. God appointed Joshua to lead the people, but it was and is God who delivers His people. There's no river too deep for God. There's no ocean too wide for God. There's no mountain too high for God. There is no sin too great that God cannot overcome it. If we learn anything from the Bible, we should learn that God is who God is. He is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He is the Creator, the Redeemer, the Sustainer of all things. He is I Am. He is the one that made everything that we can see, everything we can't see, and He simply did it by speaking. He has a plan. 
And God's plan's not going to be undone. But you know what? Sometimes following God's plan is hard. Especially in trying times. And sometimes following God's plan requires us to change. To change our plans and to change our timing. You know, like we've had to with this whole stupid COVID-19 thing. Oh, did I say it like that? I'm sorry. I mean for the global pandemic. We've had to change our plans, right? We've had to change how we do things. But through Jesus Christ, we adapt and we overcome and we can still walk boldly in God's plan. That is, if we're willing to pick up our cross and follow Jesus. Because Jesus isn't supposed to bear the cross alone. We're supposed to join in doing things that at the very least will make us uncomfortable for the glory of God. So here we sit with our masks on. Making worship happen. I love you for that. Thank you. Now, right before the Israelites crossed over the Jordan River, Joshua said to them, Consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Christ community, today I say to you that God has already done amazing things among us. But now I ask you to consecrate yourselves. To make yourselves ready for our next year together. While I'm not entirely sure what the specifics of God's plan are going to be for the 2020-2021 appointment year. (laughs) I don't really know. I just know Jesus wins. Whatever the specifics of the plan are that God reveals to us, I hope you will continue with me in walking boldly into God's plan. And that's his word seriously considered this day for the Church of Christ community. All thanks and praise be to the living God now and forever. Amen.